Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Sean Castrina, founder of The Weekend MBA. What does it take to run a ridiculously successful company? What about two successful companies or five or 10? We have serial entrepreneur Sean here to share all the critical components and more. And we'll hear what they are in just a minute. I'm going to do this the old-fashioned way. Okay, guys. Let's get out there and make a difference. Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Hi there. Hi, how are you doing today, Mark? Be good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, Well, we have an exciting topic today, a best-selling author, and uh, we get to talk about one of our favorite topics, entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure there are some special traits and things that really make people be good, strong, successful entrepreneurs. And I think we're going to hear a lot about that in our, with our guest today. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) shall we dive in and get right to the meat of it? Jump in. Okay. Today we have with us Sean Castrina. He's the founder of the Weekend MBA and host of the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. He's a top, uh, which is a top 10 entrepreneurship podcast. And he's also the author of four best-selling books. Welcome, Sean. I'm excited to be here. Good. Glad to have you. So tell me a little bit about how did you become an entrepreneur? Well, the funny thing is I never, I didn't even know what that word was, nor did I have any plan for it. I went to college a typical route and was in grad school, had my dream job in DC and just figured I was a division one athlete. So I just figured I'd compete and work my way up and be a CEO of a company one day and make good money. Never, the idea of owning my own business never even crossed my mind. And then I, if you ever hear these words and you're not in a car, it's, it's not good. I heard, Sean, we're going in a different direction. And at that point, my life kind of kind of changed. They, they had brought in a new leadership team and they wanted to kind of gut everything like a fish and start over with their team. And, and I was a part of that. And, and my wife was pregnant. And literally, I, as they're saying that my entire I just bought a house, my entire life is literally flashing before me in very in slow motion. And, and I kind of knew then that employee, being an employee, there's no guarantee because I had as bad a good a situation as you could have, I thought. Mm-hmm. And, and it was at that point that I was like, okay, I'll get something temporarily. But in my mind, I've, I've got to own whatever it is I'm doing. I've got to own. I got to build them. You know, if I'm going to run into an iceberg, I at least want to be steering the Titanic. Right. So was it a pretty big challenge to move from employee to entrepreneur? I think, I mean, I think it is, I think it's hard. And if I could give people's advice is the first thing I did is I went and got a job. I think one of the biggest mistakes entrepreneur people, aspiring entrepreneurs do is when they go through a crisis, like being let go and you're at your most vulnerable. I mean, nobody's self-esteem's at their highest after they just got let go. And I'm a pretty confident person, but I wouldn't say I was at my best. So I went and got a job because I think you initially need to just play defense. And then it gives you time to strategize correctly the type of business you're going to start. Because typically when you're trying to pull something together in four to six weeks or within three months, you generally fall into it. You make critical mistakes. And so I just went and got a, you know, a normal job selling, you know, life insurance, you know, I was fairly articulate and, and it seemed, and honestly, it's an incredible living. And I was around more millionaires than I've ever been around in my life to this day. And, and I just took a job selling life insurance for a year and it allowed me to find a business that I, that I thought could make money. 
And it, it's funny because it, that's my, my entire approach to business. I found a very unsexy business and I've been starting very unsexy businesses, you know, for, you know, 25 years, but very profitable businesses. So I know that you've started over 20 companies. Tell me a little bit about that, how you did it and why did you do it? Why didn't you just stick with one and build it up as much as you can? Yeah. I mean, I think some businesses have a ceiling, but I'll go to my first one because I think it, it goes against what most we're, I think passion is an entrepreneur's mistress. And, and I think that just example, I love golf and tennis, but where I live buying a golf course or a top golf or, or it doesn't necessarily mean what I'm passionate about can be a business in the area I am located. And oftentimes being successful can pay you for your pa- example, uh, Richard Branson, the best that I've understand does not own any business within the yachting industry, does not build yachts, does not sell yachts, but his businesses allow him to, to pursue that extraordinary passion of his. And, and, you know, you can get into Elon Musk and space and things of that nature. So sometimes your business allows you to pursue a passion. And in my case, when I was selling insurance, I'm sitting in a Monday staff meeting. First time I'm around really nice cars. And then there's my car sitting out there and it's filthy. And I'm like, what if this is 30 years ago? What if I could get my car clean while I'm sitting there? This sounds elementary right now because we have a car wash every 600 yards. But, but this will give you the blueprint for what I've done for 30 years. And that's why I'll share it. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, wow, if somebody could just come to this parking lot, clean my car while I'm here, when I get out of this meeting, I'm going to get in a really nice car and go make some sales calls. And it'd be nice to have a clean car. That was it. And I literally take out a sheet of paper and I start writing down what it would take to do that business. Well, I started Waxmaster Mobile Detailing and it's the blueprint of everything I've done for 30 years. Waxmaster Mobile Detailing. You knew exactly what we did. It wasn't rocket science. Right. Number two is our tagline, grab the boldest marketing position that nobody's grabbed. America's choice in mobile detailing. Phone number 888-WE-DETAIL, 933-3824. I still remember it 30 <laughs> years later. Great logo. It was a simple business. They called in inside, outside. Do you have a van? You know, that's when vans were popular. Do you have a van or do you have a car? Four different prices. I made over 35000 passively. Every Friday, the person would bring me what they did that week that was scheduled by our autom- you know, our phone person who took the calls. And right then I knew I had the blueprint because I didn't clean one car. I did nothing other than make the phone ring and make sure the, that the fulfillment got taken care of. And I've been starting, you know, unsexy companies like that, you know, for, you know, for years and years and years. And, and where you get into like, how do I do it every year? I think the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs make and business owners, if you're listening to me, is you you start something and it works. And then you get you get fat and happy. Or in other words, you, you, you stop pivoting. You don't you stop looking for new revenue streams. I look for a revenue stream every single year and or a new business. But I look for a quarter of a million dollars of fresh revenue every year. Mm-hmm. And I look for it like my life depends on it. Because I've been doing this long enough to know that what worked five years from now may not work now. Mm-hmm. And I know what worked 20 years ago didn't work 10 years ago. And I've been through 9-11. You know, I went through 2008. <laughs> now I've been through a pandemic. And, and I've just learned that you, you have to constantly bring in fresh money into your company. You know, what? look at, you know, whether that was, you know, Circuit City starting CarMax. I mean, you'd never think that Circuit City would go out, but Circuit City ends up going out and they end up with CarMax as the fallback. It had been great to have both. But the point is, is that you can't, good entrepreneurs are like addicts. 
<laughs> you know, we want the next. So we're always yeah. we're always seeing something like, ah, I wonder if that could work. Yeah. Right. OK, that's very cool. So now you mentioned something called um, I'm going to paraphrase the yeah. Bermuda Triangle of Failure. Yeah. What exactly are you talking about there? OK, it was typically in the first two years of a business and why they fail so miserably. I mean, I love being, you know, working with advanced business owners. We'll get there. But this is the surefire mistake. And, and veteran business owners can sometimes fall in this. If your, your business isn't scaling the way you'd like, growing the way you like, it's probably one of these three mistakes. The first thing is, is that you have this idea in your head and you bounce it off all your buddies and friends. And they tell you it's the greatest idea in the world, but you never beta test it. You never throw it up against the real wall. When I go to start a business, I truly beta test it. Maybe it's a, a true, you know, a, a website and we pre-sale something, or maybe we do a postcard to 10,000 homes to our demo, you know, our perfect demographic group, whatever it is, I don't launch a business because I think it sounds really good in my head. And I bounce it off my buddies at softball. Oh, that's fantastic. I think it's great. No, you got to vet your idea. That's why a business plan, that's why I wrote the world's greatest business plan book. It wasn't rocket science in there, but it tells you how to kind of vet an idea so that, you know, you're not putting all this money on like, you know, at a roulette wheel, black or red. And I think, but we do that. We literally do that. When you ask a person, why did you start that business? I thought it would work. Well, I really like scrapbooking. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I'm like, well, I appreciate that. But you live in a town of 13,000 people. Right. How many how many scrapbookers are there out there? <laughs> so so I find that number one. Number two is that we hire friends and family because they're inexpensive oh, and they're easy. Right. Yep. And I, I'm telling you, you must have a better family reunion than I have, because when I go to mine, I don't look around and go, I want that one. You know, I, you know, I, you know, maybe for a sack race, but I don't want them in my business. Um, mm-hmm. So we do that. And it's so common. We hire our buddies. And I think unless you're coming out of college and you're doing something fun with your friends, that's kind of the only rule where you can defy it. You know, the rule of friendship coming out of college. But other than that, I, I, you typically want to staff with really talented people that that first couple hires are so critical to where your ceiling's going to be. Mm-hmm. And what we yeah. do again, we hire the friends and family and the ceiling right. is really, really low. And then the third thing is that the person starting the business just generally lacks the personal qualities of a successful person. And you can't fix stupid. You can't (laughs) fix lazy. You can't fix somebody who's just completely, completely, you know, they get bored with an idea six months in, you know, they're like a, they're like my dog running around, they get a toy and then he runs to the next toy and then the next toy. Mm -hmm. And and you get entrepreneurs that they just, they're not relentless. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they're always jumping around to something else. And that when they interview a talented person, that person is never going to come work with them. No, you're, you're a little bit contradictory to me there okay. a bit because you're talking about always keeping your eyes open, looking for new opportunities all the time, but yet not focusing and jumping around too much. How do you get that balance? Same way Elon Musk can, can do Tesla and jump over to SpaceX and everything else. People that are talented have the ability to get one thing going really well, have super talented people operating it so that they can go look for something else. But if you fail at number two and you got family and friends running things, Mm -hmm. you can't go to the next great thing. So, I mean, the key to being able to scale or to do other things is that you've created this extraordinary team around you. But if you lack leadership, you can't attract that level of talent. And, and it's so common when you meet these people and, and I, I meet them at events and stuff and, and they're like, well, I can't really scale my company. And the longer you talk to them, like, because nobody would come work with you. 
Mm-hmm. Like no really talented person is going to go, I want to work with that person. Right. They've right. got, they've got the goods. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Tom Brady can get people to come to Tampa. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they believe that he can take them to that final goal. Great entrepreneurs. When you spend time with them, you buy into their vision mm-hmm. and you're like, I, I want to be a part of that. That's pretty exciting. I think they can do it again. At number three is if you lack certain personal qualities, you're never going to convince anybody to join you on your on your mission to do that. So what do you feel are the really critical components to building a successful business? I, you know, and there's three things. I mean, if you want to build, if you want to make business really, really simple. The first thing is, is you have to attract customers. If you don't have a, a very it, attracting customers needs to be like a conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. It, it can't be like you're looking for, you know, like a needle in a haystack. I mean, I want, an, I want a massive wanting audience, you know, unless you're selling like, you know, islands and yachts, you know, most of us need to sell something where we have a consistent customer wanting us. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, some of the first mistakes we make is, is that we don't have a big enough audience and we don't know how to attract them. So the first problem I always see with businesses, they just don't know how to attract, the, you know, their target customer. A lot of times they don't even know who that is. Number two is there, the sales component within your business is highly flawed. And this is where I go back to hiring friends and family. We hire Uncle Bud, who everybody loves. He can build a rapport with anybody, but he can't close anybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes him, but he's not a professional salesperson. You know, he doesn't follow up. He doesn't answer questions. He doesn't know the technical side of it, but everybody likes him. A sales professional is totally different. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we, we, we skimp out on that number, that second part of it. The sales part is, is lacking. We just, we're not converting enough people. We don't have sales professionals, whatever the case may be. So number one was attracting company customers. Number two was selling. Number three is your fulfillment is a mess. Your fulfillment is a mess. In other words, they, they, somebody purchased what it is you're selling, whether it's a service and or a product. It comes late. It, it, it doesn't do what you say it's going to do. Your team doesn't perform what you say it's going to perform. There's no back end level of warranty. And so what you did is you sold a customer and then you turned them off. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically, if you're doing this often, obviously with reviews, you're going to get crushed. I mean, you're just, you're right. not going to, you're just not going to fake people out anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you know, I always tell people, you better taste the soup before you decide to put it on the menu. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I, I want to test the entire, I want to literally, you know, I want to war games, the scenario. I want to find anything that could go wrong in that fulfillment process from the phone call or from the internet lead, everything, any way something can go wrong. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to be the customer that breaks my system. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So that was the marketing, the sales and the operations, right? That's Covered it. There, the that's the only three components. things. Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of what you've talked about, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot to do with product, but it's the same philosophies work with delivering service like our remodelers. Yeah, all my bit, I own a multi, I own an eight figure remodeling company. It's where I've made a great deal of my money. So I, this, I, this is based around remodeling, actually. So because we know our customers, contract the customer for a $60,000 bathroom. Okay. Show up two months late to do it. Don't yeah. have your, don't have the tile in that you're supposed to do it. Okay. The, the vanity top doesn't come in. L- let that job drag on and see what type of review you're going to get. We've won every award within central Virginia in one of my companies. And I own a digital marketing company, which is a service company as well. All my companies are service companies. 
Okay. All right. Great. I'm addicted to service companies. And there's this is kind of, I always tell people what I love about service companies is number one, I don't compete with Amazon. Number two is I don't compete with AI. AI at its greatest is 1% of the brain of an ant. Just read that 1% the brain of an ant. I have a human being who can solve problems on a job site. AI can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and number three is software cannot climb up on a roof and repair a shingle. <laughs> that is very true. Right? It can't. I mean, and, and I can get into all the services that we do and even with our, our digital marketing company. So I'm addicted to service companies because we're using the greatest resource, resource on the planet, which is a human being. Mm-hmm. Now, do you feel that there's anything that, you know, for when you're thinking about a company that's been around for, let's say, 20 years, they're growing, they've done well, they're successful, but they really want to ratchet up their growth. What's one piece, piece of advice that you would give them? They got to find that exact target audience that has served them where they're at. They need to find it in another location. Ah, okay. All right. You, you have to. I mean, you're going to maximize your territory. I'm, I'm going through the same thing. I, I have literally, everybody who knows us knows us. I don't think I can add any more revenue. I feel like I've added every division you could possibly add. So you have to find that and and you can't veer from this. You got to know. So what's the target audience? What's the medium household income? What are the houses cost? I mean, you you really need to know that because if you're off a little bit, you're going to bomb on this. But but if you do a demographic search, you probably can find your target customer within 60 miles of you. And if you've brought on really good people, not friends and family necessarily, <laughs> you can put one of them in another location for you. All right. Great. So, Sean, I think it's time for our lightning round. Are you ready? Um, I think I'm, I'm prepared. And now here's a remodeler's advantage lightning round. It's a trap. We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. What is your favorite business book and why? Oh, I like Think and Grow Rich just because it encompasses success. Um, so, I, I mean, I love that. But it, on a book, I like The Speed of Speed of Trust by um, Stephen Covey. I think that is unbelievable, Speed of Trust. If you weren't a serial entrepreneur, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd be a CEO of a company. Yeah. What are you not very good at? Oh, God. Listening, patience, empathy. These are the things my wife tells me. So I'm working on all of them. Enough therapy. I'm going to get this before I die. <laughs> your room, your desk, or your car? Which would you clean first? Oh, I would clean my car. <laughs> Name a movie you've seen more than 10 times. Oh, Rocky. All right. What's the greatest invention ever, in your opinion? Oh, the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty awesome. If you ever gone camping, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Sean. This is awesome. Um, Really good stuff. So what I'd like you to do now is to share with our listening audience your five words of wisdom and why they resonate with you. Okay. Family. Listen to me. You can, you can be successful, but if you, if you're at the end of it, your family doesn't respect you, you you screwed the whole thing up. Uh, I I believe in faith. So I'm going to just leave that word out there. Make business fun for you continue to learn. And if you can master partnering, scaling is easy. Partnering is the number one thing I've learned in business. If you master partnering, growth will absolutely just take care of itself. What Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? What do you mean yeah. by partnering? All my businesses, I have a partner. 
So the reason why I've been able to start so many companies is I don't really, I find an idea and I pair it with the right person. I'm like an addict. When I go to the gym, I'm looking for, I meet somebody. I'm like, where do you work on this? You know, I'm the executive vice president of such and such. How long have you been there? And I, I literally will put it on I'll take their note, their business card and put it on my desk and going, okay, I've got the right person. I got to find the right. And next time I get an idea, I'll reach out to that person, take them to lunch and see if there's a fit. And I'm telling you, I've done this for 25 years and have created many million dollar organizations using that formula. That's awesome. Now, Sean, if um, our listeners want to learn more about the 10 Minute Entrepreneur, your podcast, where would they go? Uh, just, you know, I think at Apple, Spotify, just type in 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. You can go to seancastrina.com and get a free book. And, uh, you know, I'm on Instagram. So we're always putting something out that's pretty valuable for business owners. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much for being here. We very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Sean. Well, I thought he had some very interesting points, huh? There were. <laughs> you know, the one that really resonated with me, with me was the whole bit about hiring your family. Like, for cripe's sakes, yeah. how many times have we had somebody say, well, my wife does the books. Oh, is she a bookkeeper? Oh, no, she knows nothing about it. Yeah. Ah. Well, that's even a different level, right? It's yeah. one thing to hire friends and family, but then that's taking it the next step where you're hiring friends and family that aren't equipped. For right. Exactly. Well, I think but even if you're hiring with, you know, that they are equipped, even if, if your cousin is a, a bookkeeping guru, it still adds a lot of different dynamics. Yes, to for every, sure. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I gosh. Mean, friends and family. It's, it's a difficult situation. Yeah. That was, that was kind of interesting to, mm -hmm. to hear about that. And it was just interesting to see that, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn. I could see maybe opening two or three companies. I don't know that I could just go on a company opening binge and, and open right. 20, 30 for any time I have a, an idea. Cause I, I need to be part of what I'm building. Yeah. That's yeah. me though. Yeah. It was because he was saying that, you know, he'd get the right person in there, but then he has to sort of move on to his next idea. Right. So that person that he finds also has to be has to, has to have strong leadership capabilities in order to continue to attract big, you know, really good people right. to the company as the company grows. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting idea, though. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I could see doing a couple companies. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but dozens and dozens yeah. seems, seems a bit. Uh, uh, you know, but the other thing that he, a good point he made is the vetting and the beta testing and the figuring it out ahead of time. Um, that has a lot of merit. Yep, it was good. Mm -hmm. All, right. All right. Well, we want to thank Sean for sharing his entrepreneurial visions with us. And we want to thank you for listening week in and week out. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next time. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a beautiful day.